Ten Bell Pod, Ten Bell Pod. It's not Nine Bell Pod, it's Ten Bell Pod. <laughs> Is this a fucking 80s sitcom? <laughs> Can I have the intro back since you just took $100 from me? <laughs> All right, uh, I, I'm, I'm Nicolessa or Alexander, I don't care anymore. Uh, I'm uh, I'm in the Manning Cave in Charlotte, North Carolina with the John Moxley of supporting Bill Cosby, Micah J. Loving. Yeah, Moxley, Cosby, that doesn't really rhyme, yeah, no, it's but it's, a it's a loose it, rhyme. It's like a, a syllable thing, like I'm Eminem does. Yeah, right. it's, it's good, it's good. And, uh, you know, I don't. It's, uh, I was going to say something about Cosby, but it's going to come off bad. Going to Jake. Uh, <laughs> we are all joined, obviously, of course, by the hardcore camping, sleeping bag, napping, tent bowl, snapping, the mascot chick batting. Yes, that is correct. And uh, 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 have nothing but uh, negative to say, uh, negative things to say about Bill Cosby on all aspects and levels. Um, there you go. So we're back for another episode where we make our listeners write the show a Q and A. I think it's our third one. Uh, well, yeah, because Jake did two of just Jake questions. Because who the fuck cares about us? And then uh, this is an all one, which is yeah. That's why we're releasing it for free, as me and Micah's existence on it cheapens the episode. <laughs> Normally, we do put these on patreoncom slash pod where we do all our bonus stuff, and we're kind of tossing this out there to. You know, let you know kind of the weird, dumb, silly shit we do on Patreon. Entice we, you bitches. We have uh, Q&As. We have episodes of this like kind of side podcast we do called The Gimmicks. Everything from talking about Man Scout gimmick to anti-American to... MMA gimmicks. MMA, dancing gimmicks. Dancing uh, gimmicks. How we, could we forget dancing we gimmicks? We also have a lot of Man Scout Jake Manning matches that you probably can't find anywhere else, at least legally. And yep. you got me talking about the Ultimate Warriors comic book, which you don't, that would be like the last thing you should probably <laughs> listen to. Yeah, there's like certain things that we get cut out of the episode, which sometimes we get on a little bit of a, a like a tirade uh, in Micah's case, or a rant in my case, or a diatribe about Sable in, in Nick's <laughs> case. So like, there's all kinds of like things that get sometimes get chopped out of the episode. We put it up behind the paywall. Um, also, too, doing this Q and A episode is going to be interesting uh, on the other side of the paywall because uh, the Q and A episode behind the paywall on the patreon i get absolutely buck wild <laughs> JJ takes his clothes off for real there are there are some things that i have said on those <laughs> that i later have been like ooh, i kind of regret but i i know the exact people that are our patrons and, and i thank each and every one of you for being patrons so uh if anything gets out about what i said i know who to come find <laughs> i will hunt you down we'll and, have a list we'll have an email list <laughs> there's probably some things that would probably ruin my career so the fact that this one is free out in the world that people can do whatever they want with this episode this will be interesting so you could be hearing my career and just before your eyes because i'm going to try and keep with the whole full disclosure full honesty on this q a episode not behind the paywall see what we should have done is just told jake it's a normal patreon episode and then <laughs> like edited in this part and then he would you know just to psychologically let you feel more free i am i the, the only thing that i've ever asked to be cut is the name of somebody who is an innocent person <laughs> <laughs> but if they had took any bumps in their entire life if they were a professional wrestler uh, i would have kept their name in and uh the what they like sexually so uh it was a little bit below the board for uh, for an innocent but uh, if you were a professional wrestler you're you're all guilty in some shape form or fashion well let's get this q a started the first question is uh for micah and it is micah why are you the way you are and this is coming from nick in burbank california <laughs> 
I have no guidance at all. Um, <laughs> good, enough. good enough. Moving on. <laughs> um, the way I am is um, I was lonely and depressed and pro wrestling and movies were a thing you could do in your room alone and learn and appreciate and you didn't need anyone else to be a part of it. I think that sums it up. I can, I can dig deeper, but yeah, that's basically yeah, it. That, Dark room stuff where it's just you. That's what created me. That got more <laughs> real and, and dark than, uh, than I imagined. I'm just trying to give like Jake d- dive deep Patreon stuff, Nick. All right, Jake. Mark Scott Vall, who you see comment on our Facebook once in a while, wants to know what's your favorite match and... Have we answered what is your favorite match that you were involved in before? I want to say that we've we have discussed that. Yeah. But like, so let's just do. You can answer what's the Man Scout's favorite match in ring, and also what's your favorite match is just like a fan. Well, I mean, it's always important to like ask this question because it probably changes and fluctuates from time to time. Uh, as far as like one of my favorite matches, I mean, it's it's tough to pick any one that I've had with Jerry the King Lawler. Has been, <laughs> I still think of the one we did where we wrestled for like twenty twenty five minutes Damn. at this like country town in New York, and you know the old like Memphis thing where you reach in the tights and you pretend like you have something and then you hit the baby face, uh, like that whole spiel like. So it's we, like you don't really need a foreign object, but you're playing. Like yeah, you have a foreign object. But the thing is, like, I, I've I knew that that little trick yeah and jerry basically in the ring like basically told me like reach in your tights and pretend like you have something and hit me with it (laughs) that was basically like just the call and like the crowd for whatever reason they just they just believed it yeah they bought it they they thought i had something and so it was just one of those things where jerry's like "Ooh, we can have fun with this (laughs) and we proceeded to do that for 20 minutes and just like we we didn't we didn't call that in the back we didn't yeah. uh, we he just any and I, sometimes i've been in matches where he's asked me to do that and like just do that and then they don't bite on it and then he moves on to something else but like i did it and they went ape shit <laughs> gaga. they were they were going crazy <laughs> they they were insistent upon something being in my tights and like it, it was Unbelievable, and it's just one of the. It's that's what magic is, and yeah. that's what like like just wrestling is. Is in that moment, like something is created, and and just out of nowhere, something beautiful like that just just happens. And and I, I think some of my favorite matches are aspects of that. Of like, especially now, like there was a match that I had at Wrestling Revolver where we did a, a dusty finish, and I've wrestled in the independent scene in the South for since 2005 and they when sammy told me to do just a regular dusty finish in iowa in fucking 2019 i'm like okay well fucking people are gonna see this shit coming and sure shit they had these indie wrestling fans in iowa had never seen a dusty finish before and they fucking bit into all of it and that's what that's the thing well, that could I thought. You, what was, do you remember what the actual? It was just, it, it, but it was, and it was the cheapest fucking dis, dusty finish. Yeah. Where like I accidentally hit the fucking referee, right. and then another referee comes in and makes the three count. And the, I mean, it's it's the <laughs> most referee's mad at that it, referee. It, it, it's the most fucking cliche, yeah. fucking dusty finish, but it fucking worked. It was so fucking good, and people bought it, believed it. We sold the reaction of it on the back half of it. It's just anytime like an old, tried and true wrestling trick gets forgotten about, or a fan hasn't seen it, and then you're just like, well, 
let's pull this out of the bag (laughs) and see what happens. I think those are, those are the moments and those are some of my favorite matches. I mean, like I said, I got probably go on and on about some match, you know, with, uh, the match I had with, uh, Alberto del Del Rio or anything, Sammy Callahan or John Schuyler or a PWX match I had with with so-and-so or a match I had with Zane Caleb or whatever else. I'm sure there's a million things I've said on different ones, but like to give you a different answer, it'd be that. But as far as like matches, my favorite ones to watch, I think what match it's finally starting to get a little, a little bit of play and a little bit of respect as it fucking should probably a match I could just click on and watch whenever would have to be the I quit cage match between Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA. Like, like that's, that's just an amazing fucking match. But I'll tell you what though. I, I really dig watching young bucks matches, which you would, you think that like, Oh, like 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 old school, a guy more concerned with story. I just like watching Young Bucks matches because it's like, yeah, I can't do any of that shit. <laughs> and it's fucking, yeah. it's, and it, uh, it's like I, the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. And people are like, oh, and they, they'll say, like, oh, it's just like the Olympics, seeing the gymnastics. You'll see them for a little bit and you don't care anymore. But no, I care every single fucking week. Yeah. Like, I. <laughs> I'm a fucking amazed every every week, and it's fantastic. I, I I enjoy them. I just I I think it's great, and I can, it's just fantastic. Just seeing people that can do stuff that I physically can't do. Now it is very humbling. Like Amazing Red has made me quit professional wrestling <laughs> two or three times. Oh my god, the springboard thing he did a couple of weeks ago with the Spanish Fly springboard. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and then he just was at Warrior Wrestling Seven, which is available on High Spots Wrestling Network. Uh, did a Canadian Destroyer off the top rope to the uh, ground into a bunch of guys. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, Why? <laughs> but you did. Congratulations. You're still here. Uh, for my only note would be uh, when Lawler said to reach in your tights and pretend you have something, you should have said, oh, I fucking got something. <laughs> Dick joke right in the middle of a Lawler match. That's what you need to bring to the table, Jake. Oh, he was making jokes about young girls in the crowd that day. <laughs> I said that girl in the front right there. Dick Jerry, can we just call this match? <laughs> My favorite Man Scout Manning match is when you beat John Skyler for the PWX title. Yeah. No, I don't think I've ever fucking jumped out of my seat so hard. Uh, it was pretty fucking awesome. Was I was there too. Yeah. All right, Nick, uh, we're doing it. What's your favorite match of all time? Oh, God, I have to answer that? Yeah. yeah might as well. Yeah. Fuck. All right, I'll take over. Um, my favorite Jake match is the Al Snow match that he hates with a passion. Yeah, because I vomit <laughs> in the middle of the ring and fuck the whole thing up. See, the thing is, it's like a 20-minute match, and I was there, and I don't remember Jake vomiting in the middle of the ring. I remember them doing the head spot. Hey, don't touch my head. I'm going to hit you with the head probably five to six times, and it worked every time, and the crowd was digging it. But Jake is so good that he can puke in the middle of the ring in a match, make it memorable to me, but me not remember the worst part of the match to Jake, which is puking in the middle of the ring. I, I try and block that memory out <laughs> as much as I possible, and you keep bringing it up. Like, I, w- I, I would, always will. I would have forgotten that match ever fucking happened if you didn't exist. So, <laughs> me, me, me and my best friend Mitch, one of our most memorable matches ever. So when Jake sucks, he's still fucking memorable as hell. All right. At least in 2009, 2008, I was in, in, like that era of Jake Manning. Yeah. That that guy should have got a contract. Would have got a contract <laughs> if it was 2009, but broken down, fucking burnt Jake Manning. Definitely ain't getting one. <laughs> yeah, right. But that Jake Manning during an era when WWE like were like, oh fuck CM Punk, he's an indie guy. Fuck him, and we don't want any more people even closely like him whatsoever. <laughs> so 
fuck anybody else that has the word indie anything whatsoever <laughs> associated or smells like it. All right, are you still thinking? Because I can talk about my uh, favorite match of all time. Well, first of all, all right. my favorite match is every Orange Cassidy match tied for first place over and over and over. That also, was the most hipster thing you've ever said. Also, uh, Brett and Austin. AJ Styles and Paul London have a... God damn it! Are you serious? That's my favorite match. Oh, is it really? Night of the Grudges yeah, 2000. It, it, it is, I, I want to kiss Nick right now. Anyway, uh, Night of the Grudges 2002, Ring of Honor, Paul London, AJ Styles. This is the type of match like in the early, when I first kind of turned into a smart mark in the late 90s watching Nitro and ECW. When you kind of fantasize about like, oh, if, if this guy did this and then this guy hit this spot and then they did this and then they reacted this way. When I watched AJ Styles versus Paul London, it was that fucking feeling come to life. And I, they're, they're, they even kind of screw up. There's a couple spots they kind of mess up on, but it kind of. It kind of works because AJ's selling his leg and there's a, there's a big deal about respect and just some of the spots are so fucking brutal, but the selling and the psychology, like that match is what got me back into indie wrestling around 2007, 2008 when I first got into Ring of Honor and saw their stuff and then I just bought the shit out of their backlog to look up everything. But London and Styles will always just have a big place in my heart because, yeah, Nick is spot on. That Night of the Grudges match, goddamn, I want to make love to it. <laughs> There's also, I mean, honorable mention, Eddie and Ray at Halloween Havoc. All right, moving on. Steven Logan would like to know, Jake, first, are you working Galaxy Con in Richmond 2020? And he would also like advice on how to cut a good promo and or improving on your existing promo. Um, I will be. I will be. I just confirmed <laughs> nice. a few days ago uh, at the time of this recording. As far as like cutting a good promo, believability is important. Through like listening to podcasts and talking to people and just like kind of formulating kind of a structure that I, I tried to get my students because sometimes my students just, they just come up and do like just weird shit to do weird <laughs> shit. And I, I know that gets you over online is just doing weird shit. <laughs> But, like, I think it's important to know the basics of cutting a promo before you can start doing the weird shit. I, I think that's that's vital, and I don't think anybody's discussing, like, the actual basics of what a what interview, promo, whatever, what have you. And I always go back to an Eric Bischoff podcast where he talks about kind of a promo if, like, you're in the middle of an angle. You basically, you can break it down in three parts, kind of like three acts. You break it down where you set up the structure, set up a situation and then you have to then you know set up the stakes the baby face has to immediately put himself into jeopardy the the heel needs to talk about the stakes or the heel needs to put the baby face into jeopardy whatever it is we have to we have to up the game we have to put the the baby face into some sort of jeopardy some way shape or form it's and exactly then, like screenplay structure it's and, crazy <laughs> and then and then the the third part is basically what are you willing to do to prevent yourself from losing, what are you willing to prevent your due to become victorious in that outcome? Right. That that is a pretty standard structure, um, but also too, I think an introductory promo is also important as well. And there's a structure to that, which basically is you have to let people know who you are. And my my classic example of that is a substitute teacher. You basically let people know who you are, and then you gotta also let them know who, are you a good guy, a bad guy, and then you have to let them know that because of who you are that's how you're going to be successful 
in professional wrestling or when you come in. Like I said, the substitutes teacher is always my classic example. They say I'm a substitute teacher. I thought it was going to be an easy gig, but just turns out that the woman that I substitute for is always sick. She's got claims she has fibromyalgia. She's always (laughs) sick all the time. I've got to go in and I got to, I got to teach these snot nosed kids far more than I thought I was. And I keep hearing these kids talk about PWX wrestling and they keep talking about their favorites at PWX. And I can't stand these kids talking (laughs) about their favorite wrestlers at PWX. And that's why, I'm here (laughs) beat up every one of their heroes so I can stop hearing them talk about wrestling at school on Monday and my rage will carry me through and that's basically (laughs) you know this is who I am I am not someone that you should like and you don't have to directly say it so much like that but you do have to like give that impression off either a level of arrogance or however or a person that's like kind of cool I want to hang out with this person or this person's an asshole or whatever it is you need to display that as well um those are kind of some of the things and remembering that structure um i think sometimes like online people get kind of far away and what's what's happening now a lot with especially with stand-up comedians is the promo or the video or the advertisement becomes the entertainment like if you look at burt kreischer like some of the things that he does to promote shows mm. and take it he'll do something that's some sort of entertaining thing in his Instagram video. And then at the end, like tickets were on sale, like at the, at the end. So it's like he gets you to pay attention to this Instagram video and then just slides in the information. Right. So that's become like a new theory as well that I think pro wrestlers have not done yet, but they're, but they're haphazardly stumbling upon that some way, shape or form. I, I don't think we're quite there yet or anybody's smart enough to figure that out yet, but I think that's where we're going to start heading and where we need to start thinking about is making the the promos, the entertainment and the knowledge of where to get tickets in the show becomes almost secondary, which is kind of weird. But if you keep some of the basics that I'm talking about involved in all of that and kind of incorporate that and tell that story, then then, then it's possible. Like if you look at, uh, I, I showed this in, in my class, you look at Arn Anderson's promo on Daniel Tosh. It's textbook. <laughs> yeah. He lets people know who he is. He reminds people of his reputation and he puts Daniel Tosh in jeopardy yeah. immediately yeah. and lets people know what he, what he will do. Right. It's, it's textbook. It's fucking textbook. It's fucking perfect. And that man just got up off the fucking couch and did that <laughs> right. and just leaned against his fireplace. That's what he did. That's what he fucking did. So Arn's an old hand. Should uh, new guys, they should be doing in front of the mirror over and over and over? or in front of the camera. Oh. Fuck it. Just fucking record as many of them as possible. Just, yeah. You know, like, and sometimes you'll, and sometimes there's like an emotional note. Like I've probably by now my, my promo intense out and I had to cut that one a couple of times because there's a certain emotional beat I wanted to hit. And then I use a phrase that I liked in it. I'm like, of, of the six that I have right now, this is the best one because it's got the two contact moments. Now, some of the rest of it's not as great. And like, I, th- I think it could be a little better here. Or this word could be changed. Or I could Always. pause them more. <laughs> or like my eyes were a little dodgy <laughs> here. <laughs> so, but like the, the emotion that I wanted at a certain beat was right there. I'm like, yeah, I, I couldn't get back to that place again. Right, right. And, that, and that, that's kind of important. So you might as well just cut it and you have it and go forward. Long-term Timbo pod supporter and uh, someone who is always there to help us out on Twitter, Miles Kane. He wants to know how much he has to pay a promoter to get you out to Oregon. Uh, pretty much my booking fee and uh, flight and hotel. I mean, that's, 
I would love to be, and I'm not that expensive. I, I promise you that much. I am not we, that. We can't expensive. say that on here. Uh that's just. Uh, you know, uh, limit yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and I had somebody, to ask that. and somebody might I had to listen. Be the to, journalist. Somebody <laughs> might listen to it like five years from now, and that's definitely yeah. not my rate anymore. <laughs> well, if they can't read dates, fuck them. And then if I've got something else kind of scheduled to make it a little bit cheaper for them, and then that's a deal that I would work out for this promoter. And then if I knew that I was selling merch to that, it's it's a it's a whole. That's rigmarole. the answer I want. But if you really want. <laughs> want a promoter to do it the best thing to do is tag them tag me and tag them of promotions in your area so that way i'm at least aware of it and then maybe i could get the ball rolling myself gotcha um he's like hey at such and such you should book man scout manning you should bring him in you should do that and then if sometimes they'll reach out to me i'm i'm usually not that aggressive like hey you see this go over here you should book me i know that, i understand that's one ticket sale i i am not i'm not dumb or fucking delusional like some of the fucking professional wrestlers out there but also too, they're a little bit more successful than him in, in that that aspect as well but oh. um you know if you have like five people that are saying that that's that they you know that that's definitely something that's going to make that happen and get that ball rolling you know, and I might even reach out myself, but typically, like if they're getting a lot of reactions, like oh, people really want to see him. But what ends up happening is like, oh, this guy's super over, and then he's let's book him. Right, right. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how There's many times. There's not much thought going into it. It doesn't matter if like he got if Miles, if you got twenty of your best friends to tweet at them, they're just still gonna book Warhorse, Danhausen, or Effie. <laughs> so like, right. I mean, it's just that's how it's gonna go. That's yeah. how it's gonna be. Um, and nothing against them. They, they've they've got it figured out. But I've been doing the character shit for fucking 12 years now. And I've been yelled at for it and, and taken all the fucking sins. I'm John the Baptist, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ has, is here and is getting all the play. I'm John the Baptist. I primed the pump here. So that's where I'm at. Didn't your head end up on a plate? Yeah, that'd be about, my, that'd be about how my career ends. My head on a plate. I was just checking history there. Okay. That's about right. Charlie loves the 90s, who's out there on Instagram getting yoked AF. <laughs> God damn it. He wants to know where I do stand up in LA. Someone asked me a question. That's very, that's that's very considerate. Where do you do stand up in yeah, LA? Yeah, where do you do stand up, Nick? So, uh, <laughs> I've I've done a handful of like black box theater shows. I uh, what does what does that mean? It's a little theater that's usually painted black. Uh, they usually do improv there. But I'm doing flappers in January for the first time. Uh, I will say that I normally post a show flyer on my Instagram story or maybe sometimes on my Instagram. That's the best way to find out. But uh, I haven't like super went hardcore in L.A. yet as far as like getting out there and doing mics and doing shows. So I'm still kind of like so I'm basically starting all the fucking way back over with stand up in L.A. So, uh, you know, I don't know how much stuff I'll do out there in the next year, but I would definitely say towards the back end of the year, I'll. I'll do more shows. And this is my question just to follow up, uh, just for a reaction. When are you going to be doing the comedy store? See, exactly. I'm not going to be doing the comedy store anytime <laughs> soon. You know, any of the big places like that. I just don't, I don't have the TV credits. You know, there, there are people at open mics right now who are like, they've been on Conan 45 <laughs> times, going up 33rd and doing one minute. Welcome to the stage. And then Tony Hitchcliffe and Don Marrero are calling them a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> Charlie has another question, which uh, this will be our first $5 wrestling question. How long do you plan on doing it? He said he hopes forever. I, I didn't line? expect to do it as much as I did in 2019. When I did $5 wrestling, maybe I had in my head that I was going to run three shows. I was going to run a you know beginning of the year show, 
and then I was going to do like a summer one and then like something in the fall. And I was like that four tops, maybe a road trip in there. Or big something. pay-per-views all. Uh, no, no, not 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 even big pay-per-views. <laughs> just kind of like kind of sprinkle them out. Okay. Just kind of do like three, four at the tops. And I'm this will be recorded right before my seventh show of the fucking year, which we're going to. Fuck yeah! <laughs> and uh, I think it's gonna be the biggest one yet. We actually have people from Colorado, Alabama. New Jersey driving in just to see the show. I it's just bet- insane. just between the shows here, somebody I, I had to answer two people on Twitter who were like, "How can I see it live?" And I'm like, well, it's not really. You be here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, I'm not streaming this one because we had an issue with the fucking live stream last <laughs> yeah. time. And also, too, like to do the live stream, you gotta have Colt Marty there because that's kind of the alchemy of it. It's right. me. It's me, Colt Marty. Yeah. You know, in that order. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, like. I, I don't know. I think I think I'm having some issues with the guy who's also runs Hebron Hall, saying that I'm taking away from like some of the PWX shows that are happening there. The, the more people are going to those. Let's see, this is this is where I get buck wild. Normally it's behind the paywall, but I'll save it on a free episode. It's like when your show's not drawn too good and you gotta blame somebody else. It's uh, like, oh, there's Jake. Let's do this. I mean it's it's one of those things where I'm being told that I'm not gonna be able to run Hebron Hall as much anymore because apparently my shows are taking away from PWX shows that happen in there and I want to fucking scream at the top of my lungs. <laughs> Most free- of my fucking guys don't know how to take fucking hip tosses. <laughs> I I am I am putting out a subpar professional wrestling product on purpose. If I only had 17 people there, it would fit the fucking brand. How can I be fucking taking away from people athletes that are as fantastic as Lucky Ali, Cam Carter, Bobby Ballantyne, uh, Montana Black, and that's just the pure guys and how fantastic and awesome they are. They're incredible, and you should definitely fucking buy a ticket to go see them because they're trying to put on the best possible show possible. Me, not so much. So I I don't know. Uh, that means we're probably going to have to run some more road trips coming up. I, I definitely have an in on Alabama, and we haven't been to Alabama yet. Obviously, I've, I've been in talks with Madman Pondo, who's been a good, 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 good friend of Five Dollar Wrestling. <laughs> really, that's cool. <laughs> way go way back, and it's been a while since I've worked with him. Um, so we may Damn. go back to Indiana at some point in time. So I, I'm hoping to, if if I can get two road trips coming up next year, and then there, I got this building in. Morganton, I definitely want to run for a particular match that I, I'm not willing to spoil right Ooh, just yet. There's a, there's a venue a, for a specific match. That's there, there's a, there's a venue for a very specific <laughs> match. We're going to do something very outside the box. We also, you know, and you guys are going to find out tomorrow, we have a lot of really creative things. I think tomorrow's show is going to be a turning point in the actual story of a lot of people in $5 wrestling. You're good. <laughs> there's... My guys, not all everybody can take a hip toss, but everybody's going to be in a really good fucking quality story after tomorrow. I promise you much. We're going to make some new stars. We're going to have some new narratives. We're going to have some storylines that people wow. will be able to sink their teeth in because that's that's what 5 Wrestling is about. It's about big characters, about storylines, and just, just proving that that is still important in this world of flips and everybody doing Canadian destroyers off the top rope to the floor. That's still storytelling. Sto- God damn it. Story still matters. And, <laughs> and the only way that you can execute that experiment is by having a control, by having people that are limited in what they can do <laughs> athletically and just tell the best possible story possible. And that's exactly what we're going to do yeah, tomorrow uh, at press time. I'm not just saying this for the podcast, but I'm legitimately looking more forward to tomorrow's show now. <laughs> I you you'll be pleasantly surprised what we have planned. Plus, every match is in a steel cage, so shit. Yeah, 
piggybacking off that a little bit, Patrick Tread Treadaway. I got Treadway or Treadaway. Maybe maybe I made a typo. I'm gonna say Treadway, and you added an A. <sighs> I'm sorry, sorry. Right. Well, uh, we just lost him as a, as a... It doesn't make a difference. He's had like three different Facebook identities. Like literally, he's, like he's, he sent a friend request and all of a sudden he's obviously forgot his login information. And then I would get... Like Patrick has been my Facebook friend three different times. Oh. Uh, I really thought you were doing a bit. No, no, no. <laughs> I have I have a couple of people and I think Patrick's one of those people as well. I just I right, just delete I deleted that's some good. friends the other day, which by the way when you delete friends on Facebook, like just kind of clearing out like if you, they don't have like a image anymore, like oh okay, yeah. I'm just gonna delete them and that. But of course that adds up to the five thousand friends. So I was clearing off some of those, and then right away I got all these friends friend requests. <gasps> like I have fifty of them sitting right now. Damn. So Facebook. If I could recognize that I clear, did some cleaning house and like, oh, here have some more. Well, that's fucking dedication though. They'll be like, oh, I don't know my Facebook account. All right, I'm gonna create a new one. Yeah, gotta add Jake right away. I appreciate the dedication. Thank <laughs> you, Patrick. Gotta relike every Jake post. <laughs> he wants to know what is your a what is your craziest five dollar wrestling story. B what is your craziest story filming a shoot. Uh, sound really long and good <laughs> I think that the recent drama with Dynamite has been kind of at the top of the fucking list he wanted to retire I let him retire and I solely like begged him wait, to come wait, wait, real quick we're talking about Dynamite from $5 wrestling Di- no, 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 kid from uh, the British Bulldogs <laughs> No, he that, did a shoot with him oh, too. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I wanted right, to be. Right, fun. Right. I mean, he's talking about five. Actually, to be really quite honest, yeah, the craziest shooting of your story would be dynamite. So, so we're gonna get I'm two all about dynamites. Clear, fucking. The, the, the answer to this question is two tails of dynamite. Um, <laughs> we'll start with dynamite. Um, five dollar wrestling's dynamite. He wanted a you know retirement match, so I gave him that. Gave him a nice big send off. And I knew immediately once he gave this big thing, said this is my last match, I wanted to ruin that and have him come back at the next show. And I did. I got him to come back. I begged him to come back. And, and, and I told him my, my plans and where I wanted him to be. And he started to get over a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now I realize why I, I was always so mean to him. <laughs> because anytime that I kind of put him over or make him feel good or feel important, he turns into a monster. Right. Too much power. I, too much, he is. Yeah. He has been trolling the the events page and saying he's just going to show up and cause a scene at the show tomorrow uh-huh. and ruin matches. He said he's said all these things online and told talent on the show that he's going to come <laughs> up and ruin their match. I've had some talent on the show. Their concerns of what he's going to do. Luckily, it's an all cage I'm match show. I'm more excited about tomorrow's show. <laughs> well, I've already told him. Like you tell him, it's ten dollars to get in. Right. And he's just not walking in. And I, if he does show up and doesn't pay, I have, I'll make our pro wrestling students have him removed. Simple as that. But he felt he was bigger than $5 wrestling. And I have all the, the screen cap messages saved where he basically said that he wanted to beat Freight Train and take the belt. He goes, I, I, I deserve to beat Freight Train and be the new $5 wrestling champion. And if you're not going to do that for me, I'm just going to quit. And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't yeah. have that. And this is coming off He's of really standing his ground on a place he doesn't have to stand ground. This on. is, the, and this is just after Jeff Hart wrestled Joey Janela and as hot as fuck yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, like, but he's just like Jeff Hart doesn't deserve it. Bitch. And, uh, <laughs> and, I, and so that I'm like, all right, uh, but but and he goes, you got to book me against him, and even if it's not title, I still got to beat him. So regardless, he just wanted to beat Freight Train. That's all he wanted to do, and I've always felt like we've always felt me and Freight Train have discussed 
kind of his jealousy towards him. And this is just an example of that. And he basically said he was going to quit if I didn't let him beat Freight Train. Now, keep in mind, he's demanding all this after he no-showed a show. (laughs) That is balls. He is also doing this after he almost stole the $5 wrestling title. What do you you mean? At the the live stream, the the Carolina Stampede show? Yeah, yeah. It rained outside, so everybody moved their stuff inside. And so we had bags sitting in the back. And after the six-man tag with Dynamite, Freight Train, and Lil Donnie against the Burke County Boys... Also, Terry Houston hitting a fucking moonsault. Holy shit. Which Dynamite uh, refused to do the finish as I asked. Oh, so he man. fucked up the finish as, as I asked and, and, and fucked that all up. Because it basically I had I asked for like a shotgun finish and Dynamite just disappeared, but then popped back up at the end. Yeah. And then like, here you go, Freight Train. Now you hit your finish. Even <laughs> though it was like everybody should have hit, like Dynamite should hit his finish. Somebody hit a finish on Dynamite and then so on. Right. And then Terry Houston hits the moonsault and then gets the train wreck and then one, two, three. Right. But then Dynamite wasn't there to start the waterfall. And then he just he, he popped back up right after Terry Houston did the moonsault and just hit him with his finish and didn't even call it to him. He just grabbed him by the neck Fuck. and jerked him down. Ugh. Luckily, because of Terry Houston just he out of reaction right, just right, to take right. a bump. Wow. So you've almost hurt somebody. And then, like I said, everybody moved their bags inside. So when Freight Train got to the back, he set the $5 wrestling title just, just on the stage but on somebody's bag because there's all these bags stacked up because it rained outside. So Freight Train, after it stopped raining, got, got changed, and then he came back in. He couldn't find the, find the $5 wrestling title. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he goes, I lost the $5 wrestling title. And I go, what'd you do? And he goes, I put it on the back. I put on somebody's bag. He goes, that bag's still here. And he goes, I don't see it anymore. And then I go, and, I, and Zane was standing right there, and Zane just jokingly said, right. where's Dynamite? <laughs> Almost out of a fucking movie, Dynamite just rolls up. And I go, Dynamite? Um, hmm. Did uh, did Freight Train put his $5 wrestling title on top of your bag? And, and Dynamite's reply was, oh, this is my bag. That was not answer my question. You didn't ask me, <laughs> could you open your bag, open the bag, and guess what was inside? Wow. The $5 wrestling title. Jeez. He's not even good at stealing. So he did that, and then I had a show two days later, which he no-showed. He didn't return my calls. And then now this is five days removed. He's now telling me that he has to beat Freight Train. <laughs> he then also has to beat him for the title, then he'll lose it back to him. Wow. Or he has to lose it in a non-title. Wow. And if you don't do that, he's quitting. To which I was like, I'm not doing either of those, and you've already done all of these things. And then he proceeded to tell me that, oh, well, the crowds are going to go down. You know, I'm the biggest star there. And so you're good luck drawing anybody at your show. And then proceeded to bitch to other people online on a, on a Facebook video and tell people he doesn't think it's fair that he gets paid uh, so late after the show when, in fact, he's the first person that I pay because I just want him to fucking leave. Because you know what he's... Yeah, yeah. So I just want him to get out of there. And he mentioned that I'm being disrespectful and I'm disrespectful to the fans because I'm not doing what's right and the fans want to see him win. That huh. is pretty fucking crazy. Huh. Keep in mind, this is all going on while the Antonio Brown drama is going on in the NFL, yeah. and to which I tweeted, I don't know what's fucking crazy. <laughs> Antonio Brown or fucking Dynamite? I bet I can fucking trump it with Dynamite. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like you got a little bit of a uh, 96 Shawn Michaels. Uh, <laughs> I feel like you brought this on yourself, uh, click click boy. Oh, I, I, don't you mean... Uh, <laughs> you apologize, fuck. I feel like I've got more of a Bret Hart 97 situation <laughs> going on uh, than anything. Somebody trying to protect their character. That's and they don't want to commit career suicide by losing.
Oh my man. god, Holy if you shit. Montreal screw jobbed him with freight train. Oh my fucking god. That's w- the best idea I've ever heard, not just in wrestling, but ever. I, I would never. But uh but Dynamite thinks he's he's perfectly fine without us and that's completely okay. I, I, I hope he wherever he goes, there's another wrestling promotion that books him here in Charlotte. I hope he's as successful as he right, hopes yeah, yeah. he thinks he can't be. I tried to bring him back and do something with him and felt like I could mitigate some of some of probably I I ran five dollar wrestling as a drunk. Okay, uh, so it's very cranky because I had the poison up inside me. So I thought, you know, maybe <laughs> I gotta finish this shit. So then I'm like, you know what, maybe maybe I have grown. But then I started to realize you can't fucking be nice to somebody like that. You can't give them it's, any type of like sense of worth because he'll he'll just t- you give him an inch he'll take a mile. Yeah. You make him think that he's important and he'll think he's the most important person in the he'll room. All over you. And and that that is a that is a problem that he has and I just cannot support that anymore. But as far as craziest story for the shoot interview, um, I've probably already shared the on uh, the dynamite episode. Like like getting up to this house and stuff yeah. like that. So I I don't think we, I think listen to the Dynamite Kid episode. We're already like forty minutes into this bonus episode. If anything, go download the Dynamite Kid episode. I'll tell you all about that shoot interview, and that was probably the craziest as far as filming a shoot interview. That was an insane fucking story, and I I detail that one pretty good. So go go listen to that episode. I hate to cop out on it, but I spent I think I gave you more than enough on that dynamite story. I, the Brickhouse Brown shoot, I would say go listen to that episode too. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. good ones on that one, so like we've detailed that, so I don't I don't want to rehash it or or cuz sometimes I do that on something to wrestle and the story's not as good and they're like oh and they just go through the beats and yeah. stuff like that but go go listen to those because we need the downloads they don't need the downloads but we do so also the two parts on dynamite kid some of the best episodes i think we've ever done i was gonna say yeah if you yeah. guys if, if you haven't listened to our dynamite kid that's heartfelt information wise research just and i think it's like input. right at the top when we talk about filming the documentary so the, the answer yeah. to that question is right at yep. the top of one of those yeah, episodes yeah, right. and brickhouse brown good episode as well all right, so big Twitter supporter, DJ Shadow Penguin. He's asking something I would like to know as well. When is Man Scout going to get Tim Bell Pod a show on High Spots Network? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, speaking of uh, keeping screen caps to be uh, evidence uh, and bringing it back up, uh, Nicholas, uh, Nicolessa. Message Boo. me, message me. I believe during Wrestlecade, and was like, "Hey, don't get mad, but what do you think <laughs> of a High Spots podcast network?" To which I replied, "Fuck you." <laughs> Did you say anything else before the fuck? No, you? Just literally, just fuck you. And I was like, "Sorry, real, real quick, uh, I'm the, shaking, I'm shaking you, Jake's hand just for saying fuck you." you. Come on, literally asked Come me on. that. You you literally asked me that question a couple hours after my employer at HighSpots.com, Michael Bacchio. <laughs> told me how lazy I and other employees were. Wow. <laughs> when we're in that, your when, social media at when, all? When we, when we were in Wrestlecade and saying, you, everybody thinks they're too good to do this and too good to do that. And you, and cause I, I didn't want to be there to tear down the ring after the show and drive this ring back because I was like, man, I've been here since like fucking moment one. I kind of want to just leave a little early after I do this like last show and run ringside camera i don't want to stick around and get this ring packed up i mean especially there's 
we have six other people up here, and I didn't want to do it because everybody acts like they're too fucking good to do this and too good to do that. Now, keep in mind, he's only been at WrestleCade for a day because he's watched Wake Forest women's soccer. <laughs> Nothing against women's soccer, but they, we which all is have pro- our weird gambling addiction, which is probably the more successful version of soccer and should be the the better paid uh, version yeah. of soccer. Let's be honest there. I didn't mean to use that as a derogatory term, but he'll he he will he has paid attention to Wake Forest golf tournaments and gone and watched golf collegiate golf but like he didn't make it because of a football game because of this he was only working one day of Russell Cade but he's telling us that we, we act like we're too good to, to do any work around high spots and then and and he goes and nobody shows up at the office at 9am to let the new seamstresses in and I go Michael fucking sometimes I'm coming back to the office at 1am because I'm like something will get done at eight and I'll be editing and I'll leave and I'll come back and I'll be there. You do working. that a lot after I, we record and stuff. Yeah. And sometimes, I'll, and I'll be going back to the office tonight after my, my comedy show to do a couple of things just to get the work done. And sometimes I'm there till 1am and he goes, yeah, but you're not there at 9am. <laughs> so you're all act like you're too fucking good for that. Uh, Two hours later, old Nick, Nicolessa, what do you think about a high spots wrestling <laughs> podcast network and give this man all of our fucking podcasts so he can do whatever he wants and make money off of it. Hey, 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 I'm Nick. Here's my cherry right on top. <laughs> and all that man would ever do would take credit for all of our accomplishments, <laughs> right. scoop up all the money and tell us that we're a bunch of fucking losers and nobody pays attention to <laughs> our shit. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to fucking we'll pay for it ourselves. Right. So told you I get Buck Wally's fucking Q&A <laughs> episodes. Now we're going to get into some questions for all three of us. DJ Shadow Penguin would like to know, have you got any backlash from something we've said on Tim Bell Pod? Haven't seen Vader's son yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, DJ. It's coming. You know what you say? Oh, you listened. <laughs> Thanks. L- l- luckily... It- two-thirds of this podcast was very kind of Vader. Me, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I think we give a very honest portrayal of everybody. I don't think we're any worse than anything that Jamie Dundee's ever said about anybody ever. <laughs> so, and also too, like, I don't, I don't take to heart what people say about me on podcasts. Like when Xbox said what he said on his podcast, yeah, yeah. like he's feeling, he's feeling entertainment for a show. I don't, I could care less what he said because he's then he's he made right with it too I, I, even if he didn't no. he's, he's he, put on a show he was also very apologetic to me and yeah. i was like I, but you know, i but I, I i don't care you you are you are on a show you're a professional wrestler and your thing is to tell the fans the honest truth and your opinions and feelings towards something and sometimes it gets very heightened as a professional wrestler as building it, it up building it up and, and taking something small and making yeah. it big and we're on a show and we're doing a thing so i know what you said doesn't really it's not really indicative who you are you're just filling time and you're trying to be entertaining and and that's kind of what we're doing here so if anybody takes exception to that i think you need to be smart enough to recognize that that's what's going on although i think somebody that that would get mad would probably not be that smart but that's how i feel that's how i would feel about it like if somebody listened and then shit on us for being morons then i'm like well we're trying to produce a show too so you us you calling us morons or even if somebody in real life's like, I don't like what you said about this guy. I'm like, well, there's far worse things that are out yeah, there. Yeah. Would you feel the same way about the Xbox thing, say, 10 years ago? Or do you think at this point you've reached a level where you... I mean, because, you know, you grow up, you're an artist. You, you, I, mean, I don't know if I could have got more... I don't know if I could have got more depressed than what I did. I almost, I, almost, I almost started drinking again. Damn. 
Well, like it was it, like it fucked with me mentally and thought I wasn't a good wrestler anymore. And I was like, well, if I'm not a good wrestler, what's the point? Why the fuck am I even trying? Why am I even working out? Why am I even care what my fucking body looks like? Why don't I just fucking just start drinking again? Stare to that fucking whiskey bottle that's in my fucking kitchen, which is just there for major cele- challenges, major celebrations. <laughs> oh, you know, major. Just stare at it and say no. Uh, yeah, uh, but like, I'm not gonna have it on a fucking Tuesday night when I didn't do jack shit. Yeah. But like, I thought about it. I almost, I almost fell back in that hole. And there was a couple of times where like, oh, I did this, so I can go have a drink. And then I know where that leads me. Yeah. Uh, to drinking Everclear and orange juice on a nightly fucking basis. So I think that's brought up in the Dynamite Kid episode <laughs> when you do the shoot interview. So listen to the Dynamite Kid episode to listen to hear about Jake's uh, drinking time. Really, the only hate I've got is I made one of those short videos about when we were making fun of Mongo, and someone was like, <laughs> "Well, uh, Mongo was an all-pro football player, and he won a Super Bowl." And I was like, "Yeah, we didn't say he was bad at football. We said he was bad at wrestling because he was." That is a shitty impersonation of me, Nick. Okay, <laughs> like that is an awful impersonation. I think the only one I got is when I posted uh, my top five Jimmy Snuka matches, and I didn't dive as deep as I could have, and somebody shit on me. But then it's like, it's Jimmy Snuka. He's, you know, let's all say if you want to dig deep on that, fuck yourself, Jimmy Snuka. Yeah, if you if you dig deep in here, oh man, you're not gonna like what you see. Yeah. Uh, DJ would like to know how we got this podcast started. Nick just basically eventually pitched so many podcasts to me <laughs> until I finally had to say yes because it's like Jake brings up that kind of moment where you got to catch somebody in the right mind state, and I was probably happy at the moment. Nick sent me the message, and I was like, "All right, cool." And then I was locked in forever. Well, and then. Probably what didn't help you was Nick got over with me and like, hey, me and Mike are gonna do this podcast. You can <laughs> be a part. You. you can you can be a part of it, part of it or not. <laughs> Yes, it was. You could be a part of it or not, but we're going to do it either way. So I just wanted to throw it out there if you'd be interested in doing it. And I fe- and like if you okay if you want to be all the way hundred because that's what I fucking do in Q and A episodes. You were not in the best frame of mind at the time, Nick. Me? Yes, oh, you were yeah, not. And sure. I was like, oh, I felt almost obligated to do it. And I knew if you did it yourself, it would probably sound like shit for a couple episodes. I knew you'd eventually, because you- Still you, sounded like shit for a couple episodes. <laughs> well, he has put in a, Nick, Nick has I put know. in a tremendous amount of work and he, he's put money in buying microphones and, and, and very cognizant of what everybody sounds like and pet peeves and, and make sure that every episode sounds as professional as possible. Probably the damn shows. Mo- Probably the damn shows. Mo- Probably the damn shows. Mo- more, more work than that. I'm willing to put in for to how did this get booked? And, but I, initially I was like, I knew his step one would be v- so below the fucking board that I knew at least I had a podcast studio. I had a room, I had a recorder, I had things set up and we could just kind of do this. And, and I knew if I, I didn't, do my best to make it as successful as possible, uh, Nick might kill himself. So I felt like I, That's a shoot. for the first 10 episodes, Literally to my head, at least for the first 10 episodes, it felt like charity work, uh, <laughs> working at a suicide hotline. Uh, like but, Bundy. but, but, but I, I, I have enjoyed, I, I think it, I think it's definitely made me better. And also too, like not having to fucking host and just kind of be a fucking guy on here. I think that's, where I think I'm at my best. So I, the work that Nick does at being the host allows me to be, I think the better version of myself in podcast form. Like if you don't like me on how this get booked, I, I totally agree. 
I don't I don't fucking like myself because I'm the host because I have to drive the conversation and fucking a fourth of the time Zane Riley's on his goddamn phone booking Queens of Combat <laughs> so not only do I have to fucking Damn. be the host I have to fucking like be the entertaining person and then entertain the fucking guest so like that's why I like the ones where we do about pop culture because that motherfucker has to look me in the fucking eyes <laughs> and be like keep right here I'm the fucking captain now so I feel like I'm really have to drive the ship so it, so my my entertainment value I think is is most certainly lowered where I think it's at a hundred percent and I think this is just you know help me out I've had I've had friends of mine that have known me for years and listened to my other stuff and they they've said they far enjoy me on Ten Bell Pod than how did this get booked and they're like really you got to take that as a compliment you like you like you sound like a star you know you sound like you sound like a star and it, it's good and and <clears throat> moves forward so like this whole podcast has been and then of course it's staggered with how did this get booked so it's like i'm always constantly having something out there yeah. every week and that, that helps me out as a performer because it just lets people know that this is other thing they do it's much nicer to say i have two podcasts as opposed to one but this podcast wouldn't exist without the fucking hard work of nick with all of his research and pushing it and lining and scheduling and and everything that he does to, to, to make it happen so I appreciate that and if anybody's so interested for the sitcom spinoff me and Nick before this podcast we even talked about a podcast where we would we would get drunk watching a, uh, an entire pay-per-view uh, we were gonna do like a drunk history but with like watching wrestling yeah kind of, well I don't know that, that takes a lot of work I thought we were just gonna watch a wrestling pay-per-view get drunk and then talk about it drunk afterwards yeah it was gonna be so <laughs> no, no, I, we'll st- I, we're still gonna at least do one episode of that even though I, I just talked about my, my alcohol problem I am I am willing for, for one night to, to, to open up the bottle and oh, and, wa- and 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 watch a, a pay-per-view of sorts and if you want to do a drunk history of Survivor Series 1989 and I and we go back and ask questions like what do you think of what, what was match 1? Yeah, you had the fucking red rooster guy who lies about everything. If I could get in there, you know, and just if you want to do a drunk history on a pay-per-view and basically a drunken pay-per-view Mystery synopsis Science Theater 3000 more cuz drunk history is a totally different premise. I but I think it needs to be short with clips like you go over and, and you chop it up like and you mm-hmm. just give a description. Well, I mean, we're going to have to cut out the fat cuz there's going to be a lot of fat if we do that on this fucking show, so I, I I think that that would be the the option to do a drunk history on such and such. The podcast for me, you know, Jake joked or I was kind of serious about how I was really depressed in Atlanta. You know, I'd been doing stand up for a few years and it was going pretty well. You know, I was work on the road. I was middling at clubs. You worked with Bobcat Goldthwait, yeah. fucking uh, damn it, what's his name? Asian guy. Never mind. Going on. <laughs> problematic as fuck micah some asian guy he's is steve Byrne. yes okay yeah yeah. i just hit a wall in atlanta and it made me the most depressed i've ever been in my life which is saying a lot i've known nick for over 10 years and that's saying a lot when i first got there it was fine but from like i would say june until a solid year until we moved to burbank i was the most depressed i've ever been in my life and you know, Jesus, it was man. hard on me. It was hard on Spencer. And I was like, I got to do something. I want to quit stand up. I want to quit comedy. And, and, you know, I've always loved pro wrestling. From, that's literally the first memory I have in my life is of Hulk Hogan. And uh, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to bully Micah into doing this. And then I was like, you know, Jake's been one of my good friends since he joined comedy. I'm going to, you know, try to rope him into this too. And 
we just did it and i would say you know around episode seven or eight we started figuring it out and ever since like oh man i don't know i think it was maybe it was like bruno or balls or louis somewhere in there for I me mean, from that point up i'm incredibly proud of this podcast and everything we've done so far so i don't know <laughs> uh, i guess i guess that is the story and here we are at episode 40 and we've got way more subscribers than i thought we would ever have Jeez. ever uh-huh. and you know i thought we'd still have like 35 listeners at this point you know and but it's going all right and you know i hope it can turn into a whole thing we have a lot of cool creative ideas and uh we'll see what happens in 2020 2021 all right so bob satin has three last questions for all of us uh first off does the manning cave smell like canvas and s'mores uh no it does not and canvas smells horrible just to let you know <laughs> people think it smells a certain way you're thinking of the the smell of the lining that the, the from camping and bug spray that's what when you think canvas that's what you're actually, you're actually thinking bug spray because if you smell actual fucking canvas it'll make you fucking high especially flame retardant canvas which is usually what you're surrounded with at highspots.com it's it's a very interesting smell that will get you very high that uh, was right. the most impressed i've ever been by you knowing your gimmick <laughs> I mean, jesus christ yeah so i still can't write a fucking intro like fucking nick over here but still Next question, Bob wants to know, what episode has been the hardest to do research-wise? Hmm. I'd say any episode from someone mostly in the territory days. Yeah. Because, you know, the record-keeping wasn't all there. It's super hard to find a bunch of matches to watch. Uh, A lot of those old dudes, they either died before shoots were a thing or they're too kayfabe to even do them so uh those, those are pretty tough uh, i'd say andre was the hardest just because it was so fucking much yeah I was saying, I, we, the structure we wanted to do with going from territory to territory and figuring out all the different territories yeah that was a gordian knot for sure like in the bouncing around like that one i think the andre one was probably the toughest because it was just all over the place and kind of made no there was no there was no there's no narrative structure to it whatsoever, so I don't I don't know if, how people feel about those episodes, but they were really they really kind of were all over the place, and also it was three parts, and it kind of had to be three parts if you wanted to get the entire career, and I felt like not we, just talk about farts, yeah, let's <laughs> talk about farts like they did in the fucking documentary, and not just talk about the WWF stuff like they they did in the documentary, so we were trying to be a little bit different so like you know looking at every like looking at the little bit of research that was available and then be like yeah we can't talk about any of this or we can only talk about it for 10 minutes <clears throat> we have to like get in the nitty-gritty of everything else like that was the one that i probably had to like watch actual matches for and really kind of really have my my p's and q's and everything set up properly because it was it was a tough one because it was it was all territory stuff so there was a lot more research to it and we were trying to be different than all of the other media that existed on him so i think that was probably the toughest i would say nick was talking about the old school guys just research wise because i usually try to find as many matches youtube uh anything daily motion i got some private torrent sites that i mine real hard to try to find the deepest of the dives to try to find that one match or those details that'll separate us from the other podcasts and paul jones was an old school dude who just he he didn't there's just it's one of those things where there's not that much tape out there with him most of the tape out there is when he was a manager 
and it's just you mind there was like some shoots with george south so you try to mine points and things to bring up to jake to ask him about on that but like content match wise it's just paul jones is probably the most difficult i would say final question before we wrap this up which episode has been the hardest emotionally um no, mine's easy <laughs> obviously dynamite kid yeah. that one that one pulled a lot out of me <laughs> i don't think i stuck the landing as, as as good as i should have i got kind of rambly i had a good thing in mind and then i got a little bit a little further out there we had one recently that kind of hit me in a weird way and i didn't expect it to I know for whatever reason that Mabel episode. That was a good fucking episode. Like, a, like it kind of wrapped up. It's kind of like a sleeper episode for uh, sure. But uh, I think Brickhouse Brown. I, I think you could kind of like towards the end. Like it was. I think that one was satisfying to me because of how much I felt about him. Like he frustrated me to no end. That man frustrated me to no end. I can't tell you how many times I'm like fucking Brickhouse Brown. God fucking damn it. And how many times I'd see his number show up and then like just, just boycotting anytime a Mississippi number popped up on my phone and just I'm not picking it up because it's Brickhouse Brown. Like, but then like the last conversation with I have him and I, I felt like I, I got to kind of say goodbye to him in that phone call, but I, I didn't give him a proper send off and gave him his, his, his just due just one last time. And then and you can hear in that episode where I finally got it. I finally got why people would refer to him and have a smile on their face when they did and be like oh, it's just brick house being brick house <laughs> and i finally finally got it's almost like i learned a lesson and like you can hear me finally achieve that at the, at the very end of the episode and like i think that's the one that i kind of hold pretty close to my heart is is that one i think that one's that one's very special to me i mean the dynamite kid for obvious reasons like that one like was highly personal for me but I think that Brickhouse Brown one is equally, equally as uh, strong emotionally. So if you've just been like, ah, I only want to listen to Andre the Giant or Bruiser Brody or like uh, like the big names, you're missing out on a good episode with Brickhouse Brown. Man, I'll, I'll say first that when we first started, <coughs> I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of uh, Last Podcast on the Left. My, my whole thing when we first started, I was like, hey, let's talk about some dead wrestlers. We'll do some jokes and... Every single person we've covered so far, I've come out of the other end, like loving them and a whole different, I mean, except for like fucking Snooka and Mula, you know, I hate them more now. Yeah, right. Invader. But, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Well, you know, the good ones, there's like a whole new level of attachment I have to them now. So I would say all the episodes to an extent hurt a little bit. Uh, we just did Mr. Perfect. That's a, I mean, I see like images of, of Mr. Perfect and it just, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. But, like, in the core of me, fucking, it hurts. <laughs> like, because I, he was a important. Uh, we'll probably fucking never cover Bobby Heenan. I've pro- I've pushed Bobby Heenan back ten times. I'm wait, a, I have his book. I'm ready to read his book, Nick. I, I don't know if I can get through it without just sobbing the entire. Uh, the, the final thoughts, I'll, I'll cry. Yeah, that's, for that's sure. Gonna, that's going to be one that's going to put me over the edge. And, like, I've, I've sat on that story for a while. I don't know if I've told it anywhere else, but there, I... Oof. I have a pretty brutal one with him, too. Uh, oh, teases. I love teases. But I, I want to cover Bobby. He's, like, maybe my favorite thing in wrestling of all time. I mean, even even more than Hulk and, and Stone Cold. And I just... I can't do it. But as far as ones we've done, hands down, most emotional, Mean Gene. Uh, mm. I was just gutted <laughs> just getting through my last few sentences of Mean Gene. I mean, I had, like, tears in my eyes and... 
you know, he's the voice of my childhood. And that, that one was rough to get through. This one's easy as shit for me. I had the moment where I was like, oh, which one? And then it's when you finally wake up and it hits you. But the Bruiser Brody episode meant more to me than uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, not just episode, but it meant a lot to me just in general. The final thoughts that I did on Bruiser Brody is probably easily the best thing I feel I've done on this podcast. In my, The thing that made me feel most satisfied and glad that I did it and the research that I put into it and getting it out there. But just you take true crime, you take pro wrestling. Those are two of my big loves and you put them together and it's that perfect storm of shit. And it was just too much, man. Just Brody getting murdered and how it went down and the injustice and then seeing like Brody's Inoki match is a 60 minute draw. Seeing that for the research, honest to God, that's probably in my top 10 all time matches now. And combining that with deep dive research and all this shit. And just, I think, I don't know how much Nick left in, but I did like 15, 20 minutes on my final thoughts. And I just, it was, it was a purge. I just had to get it out of me and it felt so fucking good. And I'm, I'm so proud of that. One dude from another podcast sent me a message saying he appreciated, uh, the words that I did on it. And honestly, it's the, it's, I felt so fucking good and appreciative and thankful for him sending me that message it made it all worthwhile so bruiser brody hands down i'm getting emotional just fucking talking about it like a fucking mark but uh yeah if you haven't listened to the brody episode please do please do actually it's a i do i put in a lot of editing jokes well, probably it's the damn show sometimes just to entertain myself mostly well, probably it's the damn show and uh i've actually edited out all of your final thoughts thus far <laughs> as a uh, running gag <laughs> How did how did that guy send me the message then, Nick? <laughs> All right, you got it. God, I'm good. All right, well, that is our uh, Tim Bell Pot Q and A. Uh, we appreciate the questions. We appreciate you listening, and uh, big thank you to everyone donating to our Patreon. We have so many bonus content episodes. We probably got like seven to ten, and then we're gonna start doing more consistently. When Nick messages me and says, "Hey, we got a dollar," how that kind of affects the rest of my day. It it means so much to us. So if you could just $1, $2, $5, we give you more of this content. Jake loses his mind on this shit. He's probably unemployed right now. $5 to get the bonus content. It would seriously mean the fucking world to me. Yeah, it's it's super helpful. It just kind of keeps the podcast going. And, you know, I, I like putting little things up there. Like a lot of things I wouldn't share. Like I shared a backyard match that I had. Like something I thought I would never... <laughs> put out there and like i've thought about like well, maybe i'll put this online but I'd, I'd rather give it to you the, the patrons of 10 bell pod I'd, I'd like to give you guys because you guys that got in on the ground floor of all this you guys should be the ones to see this and and enjoy all this like fun and weird stuff of different points in my career and i've got i got a whole shelf of vhs tapes that is just over nick's right shoulder of things There's I so can much put. shit over there, there. i mean i'm, I'm looking at right now uh a match where I get knocked unconscious by uh, <laughs> fucking Tyson Kid. I, I need to put that online, Hell and then, yeah. so there's there's a lot of a lot of other stuff that I could probably put up there because of Patreon. So like, yeah, maybe go maybe go uh, check that out. You get to see a bunch of weird stuff, and that's why I lose my mind on on these Q and As because you guys paid the money to support to keep Tim Bell Pod going. So I figured the least I can do is uh, shit on the entire fucking world. <laughs> so, but I'm shooting, brother. 
All right. Well, you you guys get it. Follow us on social media, please. Your tweets and your comments. And it, like today, I posted a picture advertising for next week's episode, and a couple of people were like, "I can't wait." That fucking is more important than money in a, in its own way. It gets us pumped. We appreciate you talking to us, listening, donating. Thank you, whole lots. I don't fucking <laughs> know. You, that was terrible. <laughs> Bye, baby. <laughs> <laughs> This is Jimmy James P.P. Cornette here, and I know you're too busy buying AEW shirts for your mom and your grandma and everybody because you got to get everybody in the family watching the AEW to get the ratings up to beat NXT. But if you could just go to Patreon and give them 10 Bell Pod Boys some money, I know they'd appreciate it because they actually do real moves and they know how to work a match unlike these, these spot monkeys. So quit buying AEW shirts and give 10 Bell Pod some money. Wendy's.